to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. So in this um, episode, uh, which is a continuation from the last episode on um, the topic, very important topic of PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome, we're going to continue with what is the root cause of PCOS because I will provide you with the strategy to reverse it. Okay, this is the really cool news. And in order for you to uh, be motivated enough to pursue the strategy, which will require a change in your life on, on certain levels, like what I always like to say is that you, you, and I've heard this somewhere and I love this saying, it's like you can't heal a disease under the same conditions that created it. Well, when I dove into the research of PCOS, so um, just as a, like a review, I am a published researcher, not in the field of PCOS, but I, I, when I was doing my traditional medical practice, I was an uh, internationally recognized researcher in my field of expertise, and my bread and butter was doing systematic reviews of the literature, like looking at thousands and thousands of papers on one particular topic and distilling down the essence of that knowledge. and. Uh, communicating that knowledge so that other doctors and um, patients and patients' families and caregivers could understand. So I'm I'm pretty good at this. This is definitely one of my superpowers. And um, when I dedicated myself to the topic of PCOS um, and I started looking through all of the research, there was one theme, one thread, one common thread, and I call it the thread of truth that kept showing up all of the research, like if you knew, once I started to see it and I started to look for it, I started to see it everywhere. And what that common thread was that there were different ways to achieve this hormonal imbalance, but the specific hormonal imbalance that was common through most, if not all, not all, because there, there is a small, tiny subset of like, like group of people with PCOS that have like a different kind of um, road to PCOS, like a different root cause, but like up to 90% of people have this root cause, which is the development of what's called insulin resistance. Now, I'm going to speak to you as if you've never heard insulin resistance. And if you have, it's always a good idea to just listen to information as if you have never heard it before and accept it with an open mind, a curious mind, and just be very like um, analytical of it without previous conceptions around it. Um, so basically, insulin is the hormone that regulates the sugar in your blood. It does many other things, but for this purpose, we're going to talk about it like that, okay? So when you eat a food and th- this food contains carbohydrates in it, your body breaks down the carbohydrates into sugar, glucose, you know, and, it, and that uh, sugar gets sucked up into the bloodstream, into our blood, and floats around the blood and when our body senses sugar in the blood, it tells the organ, our um, gland, the pancreas to make insulin and pump the insulin out into the blood. The insulin then floats around in the blood with the sugar and it attaches to the cell walls um, like, a, like a key attaches to a lock 
and it creates that lock to it creates changes in the lock so that the lock opens and then the sugar can rush into the cells and the cells then can use the sugar for energy okay and what happens is that when you're eating the right kind of foods that give you good insulin balance like insulin uh release of insulin not too little and not too high the system is uh working properly and you will not develop insulin resistance what what kind of a lifestyle would would be that ideal lifestyle where you have really good insulin balance well that's when you're eating foods that contain what i call slow carbohydrates so slow carbohydrates um, other people call them complex carbohydrates, but basically they're foods that are made by nature, packaged up by nature, like um, vegetables and fruits and whole grains. And when I say whole grains, I mean the grain before it has been pulverized into a flour. Okay. So, for example, uh, a white basmati rice um, that has been properly soaked, rinsed, and cooked is a whole grain. Rice flour is no longer the whole grain. It is now the flour of the grain. And that's what I would call a fast carb, which I will get into. But the slow carb, like the rolled oats or the steel cut oats or the quinoa, the millet, the teff, and the amaranth, all in their whole state, properly soaked, sprouted, or fermented, you know, properly prepared, which is a different topic that I've covered in the past, um, proper preparation of plants. When you eat that whole grain, the real whole grain, uh, with your vegetables and your fruits, um, yes, you get, are getting carbohydrates, but they are slowly broken down because they're packaged in fiber. Okay, like they're really well packaged in fiber, and the body breaks it breaks the fiber down, and the carbohydrate that we can use is slowly released into the bloodstream. It's a slow release of sugar into the blood. The fiber, by the way, stays behind in the gut, and we don't use the fiber. Our fiber is eaten by our microbiome, which then releases ketones, which get absorbed into our body, and we get this nice fuel of ketones into the body, which is like um, a clean burning, like a clean source of fuel for the body. Sugar, on the other hand, is a source of energy for the body, but it's not the best source it's like not the cleanest source it's a little bit like dirty so to speak when we when we burn sugar for fuel um so you want enough of it but you won't you don't want too much of it um and in from a hormonal perspective too too much sugar in the blood too fast triggers the insulin hormone production to go into overdrive you get a massive spike of insulin right and then the sugar rushes into your, the blood, okay? And what that happens is with fast carbs, so flour products, um, so whole grain turn into flour, so oat flour, rice flour, wheat flour. Um, that also happens with refined sugars, so table sugars, certain fruits that are like, if you overeat fruits, right, you can get a lot. And actually, if you take that fruit and turn it into a smoothie, very fast carbs, um, fruit juice is a fast carb, uh, gluten-free Flour products have a lot of sugar in them. Actually, you would think they're healthy. They're not mostly. Um, so if you're, and then things like protein bars and processed foods have a lot of hidden sugar. So processed foods um, plus refined flours and table sugars and fruit juices and smoothies are uh, tend to be like our biggest offenders. Okay, even if they have the label organic or natural or healthy or smart food, you know those kinds of like deceptive labels, (laughs) 
they really cause blood sugar to spike, the insulin to spike. Okay, now if you're eating fast carbs through the day, let's say you're like, this is how I was. So I used to have big problems with uh, hormonal imbalance and that definitely affected my menstrual cycles and I had issues with natural fertility. Interestingly, I, I also had issues with acne, like adult acne coming on kind of at a later age. My doctor never did an ultrasound of my ovaries. I, like, you know, and I don't know if I would have had cysts at the time or not. And I definitely had problems with natural fertility. And, um, and little did I know that uh, even though I thought I was eating healthy, I actually wasn't. So I'd wake up in the morning and have like my toast or my cereal, uh, my like granola, which if you don't get the right granola, it has a lot of sugar in it. Like, you know, even too much honey or maple syrup, that kind of thing. Um, then I would have like my bread, uh, you know, my sandwich for lunch. And then I might have like a muffin as a snack. Um, and then I might have like, um, or like a little treat and, or a, a protein bar. Like I thought I was being really healthy, having a protein bar as an afternoon snack. And then I would eat down for, sit down for dinner. I might have some pasta, you know, and that's, that's a lot of sugar hits through the day. And when you do that, oh, consistently over and over and over uh, time, you reach like a tipping point where your body now has been overproducing insulin and the insulin actually in certain tissues, the, the, the receptors, you know, the key, the locks for the key. So what accepts the insulin so that the insulin can work on the tissues starts to get damaged and starts to get resistant to the insulin. That's insulin resistance. Okay. What, what's very interesting is that the research in the area of PCOS shows that a couple of things from that high, from those two things, the high levels of insulin and the insulin resistance, it goes like this. This is how the story goes. Okay. So in the brain, the brain makes hormones. And the, the source of that that I'm speaking about is the uh, pituitary gland. Okay. So the pituitary gland is the source of the hormones that are released from the brain. And these hormones travel to the ovaries and to the adrenal glands, because we do have hormones made in the adrenal glands as well. And it tells the ovaries um, when and how much of hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone to make, right? So the hormones that are released from the brain are called luteinizing hormone or LH and follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH. And what they're done is that they are strategically released by the brain to tell the ovary that it's time to start developing an egg and it's time to release the egg, okay? And so that's important for, for fertility, but it also, um, the ovaries are where, uh, especially before menopause, after menopause, it's primarily adrenal glands, but the ovaries is where our production of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone is primarily, right? So it also affects our hormonal balance, which affects our menstrual cycle. And in terms of like acne and abnormal hair growth, when, when you overmake the, the kind of male uh, hormones, which they call androgens. So we need a little bit of male hormones like androgens. But if you make too much male hormones like androgens, that's when you start to get the problems with the hair, uh, hair growth abnormalities. Um, it gets in the way of, and, and you can get acne, it gets in the way of your menstrual cycles and your fertility, right? If you like overmake the male hormones in your body. They're not male hormones, obviously, because you're making them in your female body, but we commonly associate men as having more of these androgens and women as having less, okay? Men also have estrogen, but, you know, it's tend to be known as a female hormone and men also have that. If they overmake it, estrogen, 
they it shows up in them as having man boobs okay as an example right they they start to have like more tissue in the breast area for women it's the acne and the hair growth so in order to have like smooth menstrual cycles um not having not having too many male hormones made and uh, in order to have good fertility, you need to have the messages from the brain being properly released in terms of the hormones being made at the level of the brain from the pituitary, the anterior pituitary. And you need the ovaries to be accepting those hormones in the right way, okay? Responding to those hormones in the right way. So here's, the, here's a double whammy of how in, high insulin and then insulin resistance causes an issue. So the first thing you experience is high insulin, right? So that when you have more levels of insulin, what that does to the brain in the pituitary is it causes the pituitary to overproduce luteinizing hormone, okay, the LH, all right? So now you've got, um, you potentially have more levels of LH circulating in the blood and that changes the way that your, um, your ovaries obviously balance, uh, cre- create hormones, okay? and then. What happens is that at the level of the ovaries, you have that high LH that the ovaries themselves become sensitive to LH. So even if you had normal levels of, L- of luteinizing hormone, let's say that the high insulin didn't have that effect for you at the level of the pituitary, that high level of insulin will actually stimulate the ovaries to make more estrogen and progesterone and androgens in response to the same amount of LH. So can you imagine if you have that problem plus more LH, now you really have a problem with your hormone uh, production system, okay? And sure enough, what they found in uh, research in women with PCOS is that uh, the women in PCOS either had like different changes in the way that, that the insulin was interacting with their brain and or changes in the way that their insulin was causing their ovaries to produce the ovarian hormones, okay? Estrogen, progesterone, and the androgens. And so you would get more androstenedione and actually less testosterone. And that is like the hallmark of uh, PCOS is that all of the women with PCOS have these like higher levels of these androgens and no one could really understand why. And when I went into the research, I would find research that was done on the brain. And then I would find research that was done on the ovaries. And you had to basically make the link between the two. There wasn't a, someone who had done the brain and the ovaries. And that's very common in um, research, by the way, where they're like, okay, you stick to one topic and you study the heck out of it and you stay very much in your lane. And you, it's, you know, it's like rare to find a doctor who will look up and a scientist who will like start to like um, scan all of the other possibilities. They kind of stick to one and really, really research and understand that area. And it's really lovely when you come across like a systematic review that starts to look at all of the areas. Okay. And so the common thread is the insulin resistance. And what's interesting is that if you look at research that looks at, well, how many women with PCOS have insulin resistance? Well, using uh, the tools that you can use in research labs which are very good tools, like better than the tools that we have like at our regular doctor's office. As many as 90% of women who were overweight with PCOS had insulin resistance and 75% of women who were not overweight. And that's a big surprise because 
doctors will often associate the problem of insulin resistance with being overweight. So they'll see like a slim person with uh, PCOS and they won't even think about like, and it'll be, it'll be very rare for them to be like, wow, I wonder if that person's having a problem with uh, her diet and the way that her diet might be contributing to this process. Whereas if someone is overweight, that's a more likely kind of conclusion that they'll reach. But the research shows that it's actually like some women respond to this hormonal imbalance with becoming overweight and some women respond with, re- with remaining the same weight. And that seems to be a genetic predisposition. Okay. So what is the root cause of this particular scenario? I call this like the sugar pathway, which is if you look at your food and even if you're eating like a healthy diet, like you'd be, you could be having like healthy granola in the morning or a smoothie, a fruit smoothie in the morning. And then, um, you know, having like your, your lunch being like a whole grain kind of sandwich, um, but it's flour and then having a protein bar in the middle of the afternoon. And then, you know, um, you could see how that could just add up to being problematic over time. All right. And processed foods, right? Like packaged foods, um, having a lot of hidden sugars. So that's a sugar pathway. And what I came across also in the research was another kind of theory that ties into the insulin resistance. And I call that the gut pathway, which I'm going to cover next. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 